Hello, friends. Welcome in to another episode. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition, pregame.com. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by my co-host Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, my man? I'm doing fine, AJ. Really happy. Uh, Been a tough work week, but Thursday night pods with you always means that we got something to look forward to. The weekend is nearby. That is always a good thing. And looks like we got a good weekend of hoops, too. And let's start with maybe one of the best ones of the year. Baylor at Kansas. We're going to project the Jayhawks as two-point favorites. And this game, I, I, I'll, I'll preface all of this by saying you need to line up check this game before you bet it. Like, I, I know you want to get in as, as early as you can, but both these teams were in their last game without really key guys. And Kansas somehow went to Hilton and was just phenomenal against Iowa State without Abaji, without Remy Martin. But I would certainly want to know their status before betting on them against this Baylor team. They didn't need them against Iowa State somehow. Um, but I, I, you know, Baylor's not Iowa State. And then on the other side, Baylor's injury concern for weeks was a Kinjo. It's like, what's going on with the Kinjo? He had like a bruised ass and he had to miss multiple games. It's like, what is going on? As soon as he gets back, LJ Cryer's out. Adam Flagler's out. I don't know if they're playing or not. They they had to come back from a 10-point second-half deficit to beat West Virginia at home by four. And as much depth as Baylor has in the front court, it's basically Cryer, Flagler, and Akinjo in the backcourt, and then like Dale Bonner, who hardly ever plays. And even in that game where they were down two of those guards, he still barely played. They just don't have any depth in that backcourt. If everyone shows up healthy, which, you know, pie in the sky, it seems unlikely that everyone will be healthy. But if they are, I kind of lean to Baylor here. They force a ton of turnovers, and Kansas just doesn't really protect the basketball. The concern would be that Baylor's D has been pretty vulnerable in the paint in conference play. But Self, for whatever reason, has been very inconsistent about feeding McCormick. And there's some games where he's like, oh, he goes for 20, 22. And then other games, he gets three shots in the game. I'm not. There's not much rhyme or reason to it. It, it doesn't seem to be matchup based. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a doghouse thing or what, but it's very sporadic when they decide that McCormick can be their their go to guy. So again, you have to check the the lineups before you before you put anything down on this game. But again, if they're healthy, I'll, I'll lean to the Bears. What do you think? Went on record a couple podcasts ago before K- Kentucky came to town about how the Jayhawks, when they're uh, they're rarely lined below possession at home, uh, and uh, so you could say that there's some some good and, and yeah, that number is definitely going to fluctuate depending on Abaji's status. I I don't know with because he was out for COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just I'm worried that that means he's probably not available for this matchup, and if if Kansas is down a three-point shooter, one of their few on this roster, uh, that's a big, big concern for me because I, I think I, as I've just said, I'm pretty interested in Kansas as a home favorite below a possession. They win too many games at home for uh, me to kind of look the other way. I, I think Baylor has done nothing to 
um, make me not believe that they're a really strong team. I, I would agree that their performance against West Virginia was was puzzling because um, West Virginia has had a lot of trouble lately. Uh, I was really high on them for a lot of the season and uh, figured that that was going to be a beatdown based on how West Virginia was performing of late. Um, so was pretty impressed by West Virginia, but but on the other hand, or other side of the coin, pretty disappointed in what I saw from Baylor. And I feel like there's just some limitations that this Baylor team has compared to last year. Um, and that makes me want to back Kansas. The problem is, is as a favorite, or even if they move to an underdog at home without Abaji, I don't know that that would, that would, sounds like probably too much of a move for a college player and not an NFL quarterback. But uh, Abaji is really, really important in that team. And without him, uh, I backed Iowa State in the Hilton um, and was pretty impressed by the ball pressure that, that Kansas was able to put on. Uh, but I do think that Iowa State was a little bit weaker and limited on from the shooting position or just their, their roster's limited shooting in general, where I don't think Baylor has those problems. So, um, unless unless these injuries uh, hold hold Cryer and uh, and Flagler out, then maybe they do have those problems. Yeah, I, I think your your point is spot on, especially hard on a Thursday night when we're talking about a Saturday game. But uh, I think you you really, as you said, injury reports are going to be really important. I think if both teams are fully healthy, I, I lean to the Jayhawks. Um, but there's a lot to figure out between now and then. Yeah. So it sounds like we agree. This is, this is a game that unless, you know, like, like I said, unless you see something you like one way or the other in, in the, the lineup when they release those, this is probably just a watch it game for me, a watch and learn game, but it is going to be one of the better games of the weekend, I think. And, and obviously has a, a, a lot to do with who's going to win the big 12 this year. Uh, let's go to the ACC where this one's going to be big no matter how good or bad the teams are. Duke, we're going to project minus three on the road at North Carolina. What do you think of this one? Yeah, um, I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen from Duke this season. Um, I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised on their ability to reload under Coach K and pretty much getting any recruits that they want to join the brotherhood. Um, But I, I think... From where I sit, road favorites are, are rarely something that is going to be appetizing to me. Uh, but I, I'm, I feel like UNC has left a lot to be desired uh, with their roster, with their situation with Dawson Garcia, who's in some sort of personal situation, has not been with the team, which really limits the diversity or their kind of flexibility of their front court, which UNC has always been the two bigs just – basically trying to play volleyball on the glass. And, and that kind of was a thing of the past. And I think is part of why Roy Williams retired. I don't know if that was fully his choice. It probably was, but I think that not performing well and kind of being like, yeah, maybe my, my strategy doesn't work like it, it used to. Um, and unfortunately probably limited our ability to make money betting against the Tar Heels. Uh, but, but ultimately I think what the Tar Heels are, are they're, they're basically a team um, of, a, a decent backcourt that really depends on if they can make shots and if they can make three pointers, they're not really part of the offense. I feel like still, uh, I don't really know what to say about what I think about Hubert Davis at this point in his first season. Um, and, and I just don't know that they can really match up with the athleticism that Duke has. It, I feel like the Duke roster is just so much better than UNC that it's hard for me to, to even entertain looking at the home dog here. Yeah. I was texting you this week about North Carolina against Louisville, and I was like, oh, please talk me out of betting North Carolina against this Louisville <laughs> team. And you did, and, and North Carolina won and covered, but it was in overtime, and it took like technical fouls from a, a an interim coach. Like it was just a, a, oh, yeah. a total mess of a game. Like 
North Carolina is just not very good. And they've played a handful of teams this year that have similar physicality, athleticism profiles to Duke. And they've lost all four of them, Purdue, Tennessee, Wake, and Kentucky. Some of those more athletic, some of them more physical, but they all have that theme and they they all lost or they, they lost to all those teams and not like barely those four games. They lost by an average of 20 points per game. Duke has just been elite defensively, which I kind of, I guess I didn't expect. I, I thought that they would be good offensively and good defensively, but they are elite defensively. And it's been obvious in conference play. They are first in the ACC in defensive efficiency, field goal percentage allowed three point percentage allowed, and number two in two-point percentage allowed and block percentage. So they are across every category. They are just dominant. Is there anything else? That's it. They're, they're everything. Uh, they're bad at free throw defense. Um, okay. They're bad at free throw offense too. But uh, North Carolina offensively, 13th in the conference in two-point percentage. So like against that defense, they're not going to get anything to begin with. So now you're saying, okay, North Carolina is going to have to hit enough threes to, to hang in this game with Duke, and it's just really hard for me to picture that. Uh, I expect Duke, I expect those guys to go out and give a, a real solid effort considering it's Coach K's last trip to the Dean Dome. Uh, I think they want to send him out of that place looking like a, uh, looking like a, a hero. So I, I, I think Duke is the only way I could look in this game. I'm with you. Like, I want no part of North Carolina right now. I have no idea how they guard Bancaro. Like, None. Uh, Brady Manick is going to do that. Yeah. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, he'll do that for about five fouls. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to a game that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It was actually the game that got me off the best bet schneid. Uh, and in the Valley, Loyola at Missouri State. And we're going to go this time with Missouri State, about a one-point favorite. I bet it actually ends up being a pick em. Uh Either way. It was Missouri State was a seven point dog last time and won outright by 10. And not only do I think it was a great spot play for Missouri State, but I, I think they had some real matchup advantages in that game. Like Loyola's dominated Missouri State for so long because Cam Crutwig would just eat them alive and they didn't have an answer for him. And now Loyola just doesn't have that big. Uh, Missouri State is uniquely built to deal with Loyola's pressure. And that gave that gives them an advantage they haven't had in years past. And then they've got Isaiah Mosley, who, if you're not paying attention to Missouri Valley basketball, Isaiah Mosley is an absolute terror. Uh, he put up 40 in the last game, and I expect he will have another big game here. Loyola's defense is basically built to force you into isolation. And Missouri State and Mosley in particular – they're one of the best teams, one of the best players in the country at winning those matchups and hitting shots off the dribble. I think that the drubbing that Missouri State gave Loyola, it, maybe it woke up a sleeping giant. I just don't know that matchup-wise, Loyola has has what it takes to to beat this team. And now you're talking about a pick em on the road, maybe a, a one-point spread on the road. I'd like to say I'm I'm playing the revenge angle here. I, I just I can't do it. So it's Missouri State or pass for me. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I played it right along with you. Um, had a lot of faith in my co-host for sure. Um, but you know, I I think Loyola. So I, I the last trip I went on before COVID, uh, I actually went to the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, um, and 
was there for, I think Bradley ended up winning it all in, in a pretty impressive fashion. And they've, what well, that program has changed since then quite a bit. Uh, but Missouri State, I think was, uh, Dana Ford was, was laying the groundwork for, for Missouri State. And um, so I've, I've somewhat, I, I followed them a, a closely or relatively closely um, ever since that tournament, because it kind of seemed like a team that might be um, coming up. And Gage Prim, their, their big guy inside is, uh, just a colossal, I think, junior college transfer that is just so big compared to the rest of this this conference, really. Um, kind of a little bit surprised that he's playing at that level, though I'm sure he's got some some athleticism limitations that probably didn't keep him from going higher. But what, that, what he does or what he is, is he is an anchor in the post that makes – uh, any defense that plays against Missouri State has to focus on him and and sometimes throw doubles or at least have an eye on him or potentially threaten it to him. And uh, Missouri State's three-point shooting was kind of a weak point last year, but they, they've gotten a lot better. As you mentioned, Isaiah Mosley has been awesome. Uh, check the spelling for Isaiah when you try to spell it. Yeah. But um, and then also they, they added a transfer in it's kind of coming off the bench and providing some uh, three-point shooting that they really need. And that's really diversified this team. And I would be really scared of them uh, if they draw someone as like a 12 seed or something like that in the NCAA tournament. Now, I think they'll probably have to win the Missouri Valley. They went uh, on the road and I think lost to St. Mary's, which would have been a big win for their tournament profile. So I don't know that they'll they'll probably, they're going to have to win the tournament to get in. So that's, that's hard to, to predict. But I really like them. Um, I feel like the control that they had in that first game, um, I, I think does seem to fly here. I think that it could work even better at home. Uh, I think based on that big spread in the first matchup, I, I'm a little surprised to really expect Loyola to be a favorite here, but I also uh, sent minus one to you when I was expecting what, what, what that number would be. So I lean them to, to, uh, to Missouri state, excuse me. Uh, and look, I'm looking to back them hopefully at a number that might be on the other side of, 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 oh, that'd be pick great. Them, but uh, even as a slight underdog, I, th- I think you're right on that that they're a side that I want. All right. Normally, we go through the four biggest games on the board, and then we give you two best bets. This week, we're going to go through the four biggest games, and one of them is it happens to be my best bet. Uh, and it's going to be on the Gonzaga at BYU game. The Zags, we're looking at about eight-point favorites. And my best bet is going to be on Gonzaga. Uh, it, no, it came as no shock to you. And when you think about this matchup, like I, I, even I still do this. I think of BYU as the team that gives Gonzaga the most trouble in the West Coast Conference. And that was true at one point. Uh, BYU got a win. It, they got a win over Gonzaga in 2011, 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's a good run where you're like at least splitting with this juggernaut of your conference. Since 2017, Gonzaga's won 9 of 10 by an average of 13 points per game. And this year in particular, BYU is at a real disadvantage physically. They have been without, I want to say without any big men. They haven't. They, like they've, they've had no big men this year. And there's just no one that can slow down Timmy or Holmgren. And it sucks for injury purposes that like they just haven't had these guys. They, may, they might match up better if they did, but it just so happens that the Gonzaga has, you know, Timmy and Holmgren, and you can't stop one of them, much less both of them. Timmy had 30 points in 28 minutes 
on 13 of 14 shooting in that first game. He literally did whatever he wanted. He was being guarded by a guy who was six foot six. Good luck, friends. And Gonzaga was 78% on two point shots in that game. And I think it's absolutely repeatable. And that game, 110 84 was the final. That game was 106 to 72 with four minutes left. And Gonzaga played out the game with walk ons including Mark Few's son going out there. So the game was a 34-point game with four minutes left, and then it ends up being a 26-point game, which looks at least somewhat credible. But it's it's better than what the Cougars deserved that night. And then BYU is they're in the middle of a really rough stretch with back-to-back losses at Santa Clara and Pacific. Yikes, losing to Pacific. Ouch. And they're playing a game tonight against San Francisco. It hasn't started yet, but that's a tough matchup as well. So this is a rough run for BYU. And I think a good opportunity for for Mark Few to to kick a rival while he's down. What do you think of that one? Yeah, it's it's hard for me to want to go against Gonzaga. I think I learned that lesson, fortunately, uh, years ago. And so that has saved me quite a bit of money <laughs> since then. Um, but uh, I think we even talked about this on this on this show and, and certainly uh, off the show that I was looking to potentially even back uh, BYU in a first half bet against Gonzaga in the first matchup. And I'm very happy that I didn't. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, you call that efficiency with true Timmy more points than minutes. Um, I don't really see that as being something that BYU can stop even with a, a raucous home crowd behind them, rabid even if you want. Um, I think Every minute that this game is tonight against San Francisco is as tight as it can be, uh, and it's projected uh, below possession, so it should be a, a pretty good one as well. I, I did place a bet on BYU, so hopefully we can uh, at least get a win going into the, the Gonzaga blowout for you this weekend. But um, I think I'm, I'm definitely concerned about what BYU has been doing lately. Uh, the two losses on the road last week, one at the buzzer against Santa Clara is pretty tough, but um, losing to Pacific is really not a good sign. Uh, especially coming into a, a big game tonight that might zap some of the legs where uh, Gonzaga's already started. So they're going to finish beforehand and they're going to deal with a tough road environment, but they're used to getting the best shot of every team they play pretty much. And, and I think they've kind of shown that they have BYU's number of late. Um, so I, I think I'm going to sit on the sidelines on this one and, and root for Gonzaga to blow them out for my co-host. All right, I'll take it. And we didn't get into last week's best bets one and one once again. Uh, Wake Forest, actually, like uh, Pitt took money. It got bet down and ended up closing at like 12 and a half. So uh, an easy, easy winner uh, for Wake Forest. And Griffin, your best bet was? Bonaventure. Uh, You know. um, Break up with them. They've done pretty, Yeah, you know. Uh, I think we were saying before the show, I, I'm waiting for some some news to come out about the the five starters that return that was supposed to be everyone's darling or potential even people talking about uh, maybe even on this podcast about them being 66 to win the, to one to win the national championship. And that might have some value. Uh, I'm just wondering if they really don't like each other or if uh, the NBA futures or European futures is starting what it's looking like uh, for their professional talents. Uh, if that's starting to really um, cause some problems or ha- if it has already. All right. Before we get to Griffin's best bet, let me throw this in. The big game is on its way. And at pregame.com, we're offering 20% off on any site purchase. You can get your Super Bowl packages from the pros like Steve Fezzik, the hitman, Dave Essler, and myself, AJ Hoffman, of course, and many more. 
Now's the time to buy and save using the promo code ProBowl20. Again, that's ProBowl20, one word, ProBowl2020. That will save you 20% off on any site purchase. That includes all sports, not just football, and all pick packages. So the pros at pregame, they're loading all their picks, whether it be sides, totals, props, much more for that big game. Don't miss out, guys. Go to pregame.com, enter code ProBowl20, and save your 20% now. This promotion ends soon, so be sure to act fast. All right, Griffin, the big moment. You're going to break the uh, break the cold streak. We're getting you back on track. Where are you going for your best bet tonight? I'm going to go down to uh, Thomas Jefferson stopping grounds to uh, the University of Virginia hosting uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, and what is, I mean, certainly not going to be the prettiest game uh, by any means. I think BYU 40 Gonzaga, to 39. Yeah, BYU Gonzaga might double the score uh, or, or and then some. Um, but yeah, I, so AJ projected that Virginia would be about a pick them. Uh, I think anything less than a possession is, is kind of how I look at favorites, but, um, I, I really am starting to, to see some, some issues with, with Miami. And it seems like they're on their ninth life at this point where they're winning a lot of games that I'm not sure they deserve. Certainly credit them for winning at Duke. And that shows something for sure. Uh, but they're going to deal with a really tough Virginia defense that I think it's not the same Virginia defense that we're used to, um, but they do have a little bit more uh, athleticism on the perimeter, which is allowing them to defend guards, which I think is exactly what Miami's going to struggle with because they don't really have a lot on the interior, um, which I think also swings to Virginia. Um, but ultimately, Charlie Moore and Isaiah Wong are really where this team goes from. And then uh, with the gusty shooting as well on the perimeter, I think Virginia has the, the the perimeter defense to really make it hard for Miami to score. And I just don't really believe that Miami deserves to be uh, rated at this sort of level. I think Virginia really should be a, a, above a possession favorite, and it doesn't look like it's going to be based on our projections. So I'm going to play take Virginia at home to uh, get a win, hopefully cover the, the spread and, and win uh, going away uh, against a Miami team that I think is a little bit overvalued at this point in the season. Yeah, I don't like Miami either. Um, I, I've been kind of looking for for spots to fade them. One thing that would surprise you about Virginia, if I said, where do you think Virginia ranks in in defensive efficiency in the ACC, what would be your best guess? Based on the question, I would say bottom half. Um, how about how about ninth? Which is uh, just when you think about the teams that Tony Bennett's put out there, it's it's almost unbelievable. I mean, they've been one of the best defenses in the country. You know, not just a conference in the country. One, they've been in top five in the defense, I think, for the last five years. So the fact that this year their defensive efficiency is ninth in the conference is very odd 99th nationally and they're still playing at that super slow tempo uh they're they're a they're an ugly team and they'll make games ugly but i think that miami is a team that they don't do the things well that i think it'll take to beat this virginia team particularly rebound like almost everybody out rebounds virginia they don't prioritize it miami prioritizes it less they're 310th in offensive rebounding percentage and they're 270th in offensive rebounding percentage allowed. They just, they're just, they just take a shot and move on. Um, so I, I tend to lean your way. I, Virginia's not a team I enjoy betting on. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I anybody does, especially like if, if there's a minus by their name, I just don't want anything to do with it. 
but I think at this short spread, if, if it's a pick 'em or even a short favorite, I, I like your side here on this one. So yeah, yeah, I think I think as you said, um, and we're entering a time of year where there's not going to be a lot of deservingly cheap favorites at this point. Um, I just think they're going to make it really tough. While the defensive efficiency isn't exactly what we would expect, I think from a Tony Bennett program, I do think that Miami has a little bit um, outplayed really what their talent suggests. So. Um, that's, that's what I'm shooting at. Just trying to get on the hot streak like you've been on lately. Well, I feel it. I hope, uh, I hope we get you there. Uh, thanks to McKinsey back in the back. No microphone today. That's my fault. Uh, it, but he does a, does a great job always. Thank you to Griffin and thank you to you guys for listening. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate the, uh, the love you guys have given us on Twitter and to tell your friends, uh, let, let them know about the podcast. Hopefully we can keep growing this thing. Uh, we will get back to you this weekend with next week's games. And until then, good luck. <laughs>